The rest of us are going to go back to 1 Corinthians 2. And from 1 Corinthians 2, we'll go from there to uh, James chapter 3. I'll show you one verse in 1 Corinthians 2 that is parallel to what we will learn in James 3 that will help us to understand a little bit of what uh, James is speaking about. James writes first in the New Testament, so he is not influenced by any other book of the New Testament. However, he is greatly influenced. I showed you from our introduction message to James by the um, teachings of Christ and how parallel uh, the Gospels are and the teachings of Christ to what we see in, in, um, in the book of James. First, I want to look at, this is our title today, I'll have one message next Sunday, Lord willing, on verses 17 and 18 from James 3 and tie it all together, um, all of James 3 together next week. Uh, if the Lord allows us to be together or we'll be in heaven and we won't, uh, we won't need Bibles there. We'll know everything perfectly uh, when we get to heaven. But until then, may the Lord find us faithful in what he's called us to do. All right, so an, um, an outline of James 3. The tongue control is important. It's impossible. It's inconsistent. And because of all those things, uh, numbers 1 through 3, they requires God's wisdom. It's God's wisdom is not optional. It's required. And we'll see, uh, we'll see uh, next week how this all fits together with... Uh, the teachings on the tongue. Before we get to 1 Corinthians 2, it does talk in 1 Corinthians 2, if you look at verse 6 with me, 1 Corinthians 2, 6, Yet among the mature we do not impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had understood God's wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. How many wise people, wise people, heard Christ um, or put Christ on trial and concluded that his life wasn't worth saving, although Pilate tried to wash his hands and say, it's not me, but he didn't save him either. He didn't rescue him and say, no, I'm setting him free and I'm going to protect him like Paul was protected later in the book of Acts. He doesn't protect Christ. He turns him over to be crucified. Why was he crucified? Why were the crowds chanting, crucify him, crucify him? Although he had done, he never even committed one crime and he died the most horrible death as the worst of criminals because the rulers of this age lacked godly wisdom. So here is an example of a worldly wisdom quote. I just Googled this last night. I found a guy um, that I got a quote from. He lived in the early 1600s. I don't know much about him other than he was Spanish. He was Jesuit. Uh, he was a philosopher. Uh, and he has a lot of quotes on the Internet. And so this is one example of a quote that we would disagree with. And I think uh, I'll tell you, I'll try to teach you how to think based on how to analyze worldly wisdom and what does scripture say that would help you to say, that is definitely worldly wisdom 
and not godly wisdom. And so let's let's uh, look at this quote here in introduction. Better mad with the rest of the world than wise alone. Okay. So you say at face value, we we read a lot of quotes, and this guy had a lot of other quotes that uh, something about a kick in the pants that was necessary, and that was funny, and that was uh, some some worldly wisdom. Um, but this one is is this a good quote? And I had to have a question. Why is this a bad quote? Okay, I was supposed to stare all those, and said I gave you all the notes. Okay, so what would Noah say about that quote? Better mad with the rest of the world than wise alone. Noah would say, that's a bad quote. Why would Noah say that? Because Noah survived. And the rest of the world that was mad didn't survive. Okay? If Baltazar Gracian would have been thinking of Noah, he would not have written this. This is not a good quote. What would Moses say about this? Everybody wants to kill him and go back to Egypt. And Moses intercedes for the people and stops God from destroying them a couple times in the 40 years of wilderness wanderings. And Moses would say, I'm not going to be mad with the rest of the world and go back to Egypt. I'm going to be wise alone. Does that make sense? So you can see how simple stories that you probably all know or you've heard of how it can dismantle worldly wisdom. What would Daniel's three friends, which we're going to look at tonight, I'm going to encourage you to be back here tonight at 5 o'clock from 5 to 6. We're going to look at Daniel 3 and the second part of Daniel 3. Daniel's three friends would be, they may have been mad with Nebuchadnezzar, a lot of people, they bowed down to him. But Daniel's three friends didn't bow down to the rest with the rest of the world. And they were wise alone. And they would disagree with this quote. Would Peter disagree with this quote? When he is preaching um, and um, in Acts 3, Acts 4, other Acts 5, when the people are trying to get him to stop preaching, and he says, no, I have to listen to God rather than men. It's better to be wise alone. Stephen especially, we get this. Stephen would disagree with this quote, wouldn't he? Because all the world around Stephen was mad at him. They took off their coats and they hit him with stones until he was dead. And Stephen, it says of him in Acts 6, that he spoke with wisdom that was from above. Or God gave him wisdom. And that's how he could make all the worldly wisdom around him look foolish. Because God gave him special wisdom. All the other Christian martyrs, Paul at times found himself, uh, the rest of the world was mad, like when the people were chanting, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And Paul wanted to go speak to them. And uh, they were mad. They were so mad that for two hours they chanted that in a theater with maybe 20,000 people. And Paul may have been wise alone. He would disagree with that statement. And then Christian martyrs. See, I've seen billboards that say so many million people can't be wrong. That's, that's worldly wisdom because so many billions of people on the earth are wrong. How do we get, though, how do we discern what is worldly wisdom and what is godly wisdom? James 3 is going to help us with that question. How do, what would Jesus say about this quote? If 
Maybe Balthazar Gratian was a believer and was not well taught. I doubt it, but if he was, he would have disagreed with Jesus. Jesus died alone for you and me, the songwriter says. And the rest of the world was mad at him because he wouldn't be their king or he had more followers than them or whatever the child crowd's reason was for chanting crucify him. Christ would have disagreed with this. And so that's how we need to ask ourselves. Are there any Bible stories, any Bible characters, and especially our Savior, if our Savior or Bible characters would disagree with a statement from the world, even though this guy's a philosopher, he is a writer, he probably has degrees after his name if he lived today, he would be interviewed by CNN and other news stations and be the expert. And we have to listen to everyone who's an expert, right? Because experts aren't wrong. Or are they? Because the Bible gives us the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. And I have you in 1 Corinthians 2 to show you one word that shows up again in James 3. And that word is natural. Look out at verse 14. And it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they're folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit is required to understand the things of God. This should not come as a surprise to us, but ungodly people cannot understand God's Word. Unsaved people cannot understand God's Word. Why? Because they are spiritually dead. Dead people don't understand anything. Or they can't learn anything. They can learn earthly philosophy. They can learn a lot of um, ways to help people to change. They can learn a 12-step system or process that may or may not be helpful, but they cannot get God's wisdom. God's wisdom is only given to those, as we saw last week, when we study God and his word, when we study God's wisdom, and when we obey what we learn, then God gives sound wisdom to the upright. That's Proverbs 2. If you were here, weren't here last week, look at Proverbs 2. That's how you get regular, everyday wisdom, is we study it, and we ask God for it, and we obey it when he shows it to us, but we have to study God's word. If Balthazar knew God's word, as we know God's word, we, he would not have written this as a quote. This is not a good quote, because... It's not better to be mad with the rest of the world. It's better to be with God and the rest of the world be mad at you. That would be a biblical quote. Okay? So that is how we have to discern. You're going to hear a lot of worldly wisdom as our culture gets farther and farther away from people knowing God, people reading their Bibles, people knowing the Bible stories. You're going to get, we're going to get all kinds of worldly wisdom from all different directions. You're going to hear it on the news. You're going to hear it, see it on billboards. You're going to see it in magazines. You're going to see it in kids' shows. You're going to see it everywhere, and we have to be discerning to say what is worldly wisdom and what is godly wisdom. And sometimes worldly wisdom is okay, like some people need motivated by a kick in the pants. Yep, okay, that's what Balthazar writes other places. I didn't put that up here because we'd say, oh, yeah, sometimes. But that's not unbiblical. That's just extra-biblical wisdom, which is outside of the Bible. But this is unbiblical wisdom uh, that the Bible would disagree with. Okay, so let's go now to James. 
The natural person, that word natural shows up in James 3. So let's go to James 3. And we finished James um, 3 at verse 13 last week. The tongue can't be controlled. It's important to control the tongue, but it's so dangerous. It's so deadly. It's so... Um, its influence is so powerful, and yet it's so inconsistent. Out of our same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. And James says, this should not be so with you as Christians. My brothers, this shouldn't be so. And then he says in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? All of us as Christians would say, if I'm not a wise Christian, I want to be one. Nobody wants to be a foolish Christian. Everybody wants to be wise, but they don't want to put in the study. To be wise and you have to study god's word and know god if you're going to be wise and you have to pray consistently and ask god for wisdom that you don't have and you have to obey god's word when you see it and you have to discern good and evil and if there was a chapter and verse for everything we'd ever face discernment would not be necessary discernment is necessary because we don't have a chapter and verse for everything the bible doesn't speak anything about marijuana it doesn't say anything about how you should drive your car. But there's a lot of wisdom in Scripture that we have to say, mm, if you say, ask me, should a Christian smoke marijuana? It's legal now, Massachusetts. My parents are from Pennsylvania. I think it's legal there yet. So as long as you're in Massachusetts, right, or Colorado, I don't know other states. Um, and there's billboards. Get a weed map, right? Yeah, that's what we need, weed maps. Right. It's going to help us. What? Why do we need marijuana? That's a question that I would ask someone who says, I think a Christian should be able to smoke marijuana. Okay, so why do you need it? Does doctors say you need it or you say you need it? I think a Christian should be able to drink alcohol. Okay, doctors say you need it or do you need it? You think you need it. And I've had a lot of arguments and a lot of... Uh, conversations with people and it's not it's not going to get better should we allow vaping uh there there are the bible doesn't say anything about vaping but there are there's wisdom in god's word to help us to know what is the best way to think about things and the, the issues of life what does the bible say about the tongue the Bible says the tongue is important to control. It's impossible to control. It's inconsistent in its control. So it requires godly wisdom. And the tongue can show. It can show God's wisdom. If you are a believer, you are responsible to show godly wisdom right here. Loose lips is a problem with all of us. We, we saw that in James 3 up to this point. But you can't say, well, I have, a, I have lips and they're loose and I can't do anything to tighten them. Right, you can't, but there is a God in heaven who can. And he has, you have access to the wisdom of God. You have a Bible, you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 2 was required for godly wisdom. You cannot have godly wisdom without God's Spirit and you don't have God's Spirit if you're not a believer. But if you have a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have access to the Word of God in front of you. Now, will the Word of God and the Holy Spirit influence your loose lips, or you say, eh, I don't care what I say, or I can say what I want to say. I've reached that age. No, you, you, there's no age where you don't have to be godly Christian anymore. You always have to be a godly believer. 
Or you can just say, I don't want to be used of God anymore. No, that's foolish to think that way and to live that way and say, I can say what I want to say because I've reached a certain age or I've reached spiritual maturity. No, that's, that's foolish. We always have to be on guard with our tongue. We always have to be discerning on what is godly wisdom and what is not God's wisdom. So James 3.13, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, by his life, let him show his works, his serving, in, um, in the meekness of wisdom, which is humility, that you get from God. Okay, we ended with that verse last time. Okay, now now the contrast, verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Okay, so this is opposite of verse 13. Verse 13 says, if you want to be wise and you want to be understanding, Live in a way that shows that you're humble before God and you're getting godly wisdom. Just keep serving people. Just keep obeying God. Whatever God teaches you in his word, and none of us have arrived. Just because we know more of, of scripture than someone else, it means you're responsible to obey more of scripture than someone else. And the more we know about God and his word, the more humble we should be and not more elevated and proud. Wow, look at me because I got this degree from a Bible college. Eh. You don't have meekness with wisdom. You don't. You have knowledge, but that's not that knowledge did not cause you to be humble before God and get more wisdom from God as you're humble. Because God resists the proud, James 4 is going to tell us, but he gives grace to the humble. So the tongue can show God's wisdom, but we have to be on guard to know we have to live your knowledge of God humbly. That's what verse 13 says, and we explained that last week, so we're going to pick up in verse 14. So if we are struggling to live the godly life of humility and getting God's wisdom and being more and more wise and understanding with how we live, something's wrong. Okay. So if we say that in, the, in the context of our tongue, I'm trying to get wisdom from God and my lips are still as loose as ever, or it's getting worse. I'm lying. more I'm I'm using my tongue for selfish ambition and how do we tell how do we guard against verse 14 but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition and you know what you can keep bitter jealousy hidden for a time but it will come out your mouth you can have selfish ambition and there are a lot of people that have a lot of ambition. Those are people that get up uh, early and work late, and they work seven plus days a week, and they have a couple side jobs, and they are going to make their mark on this world. And you talk to them, why are they doing it? It's not just to provide for themselves or their family. It's to it's something selfish ambition. It's something I'm, I've got to do more. I've got to do more and more and more. I never have enough. i just got to keep going. And they're very motivated. Those are the people that you want to work for you because you can't give them too much work to do. And you're like, man, this person is a great worker. But it could be selfishly motivated. And then other people are selfishly motivated, and you can't get them off of the couch. You can't get them to pick up the phone and do anything for themselves. And you're like, you serious? You're an adult. Now adulting is a word. Why is it a word? Because people are lazy and they won't grow up. Okay, 
So how do we know if people are lazy and won't grow up? Right here, their loose lips will talk about it. You people that people that talk foolishly, and it's okay if you're 5, 3, or 8, 9, 10, 12, 12 maybe, to talk foolishly with your tongue, but there's, there's going to come a time when 25-year-olds should not be talking like they're in junior high. Laughing at the same jokes and just crude humor, and unfortunately adults aren't growing up. And the locker room talk that's that's prevalent today on a lot of talk radio and other uh, garbage and a lot of um, what we hear in um, in music, lyrics. I've challenged young people, what is your song teaching you? It's not teaching you godliness, it's teaching you the opposite. How to manipulate people, how to use people, how to lust after people, and it's it's worldly wisdom. So the tongue can show, and the tongue does show, a lack of God's wisdom or that we have God's wisdom. So verses 14 to 16 today are going to say, that's not God's wisdom. So the person who allows selfish ambition and jealousy to grow in them, it's going to come out. But notice where uh, James starts. If you don't have God's wisdom, the reason you don't have God's wisdom is it's not in your heart. Your heart tells your mouth what to say. You, you will say what you love to say. When we talk at fellowship time, whatever you love to talk about, you'll find a way to talk about it. And you probably know people in the church now, if you've been here a while, that like to talk about the same things. And you'll find them. You're like, or you'll wait in line to talk to them because, oh man, I don't want to talk to them about this. It's not wrong to talk about this unless this is an ungodly thing or a sinful thing. But if we have bitter jealousy, I don't like someone, or I'm jealous of someone, and it's caused my heart to be bitter at them, their success, and I'm not getting what I really want with selfish ambition, and this is growing in my heart. The, more, the harder I work, the less of a mark I'm making on the world, and someone who is selfishly ambitious is going to just keep trying harder, keep trying harder, keep trying harder. And it shows up in their speech because they're easily angered when their ambition doesn't come to fruition. Whenever someone who's bitter and jealous, uh, have bitter jealousy in your heart, it's going to show up in how you speak. And a lot of people who gossip are bitter and jealous. They have bitter jealousy in their hearts. That's why they gossip, because someone else has someone. Did you see what they, did you see what they wore? Did you see what they're doing? Did you see who's dating who? It's just on and on and on. And people who are gossiping have a lot of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. You know, in junior high, think back to your junior high days, do you know why there was such an ungodly atmosphere in your junior high school? Because almost everybody in their hearts had bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, and it came out of their mouths. And people mocked each other, they made fun of each other, they ridiculed each other, they uh, lied about each other, and now with social media, it just gives us another platform, another way to spread this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And it's just showing that we have a heart problem. Okay, So that's what you see in verse 14. And it says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be and be false to the truth. That is not godly wisdom. 
So James is going to say, that's not God's wisdom. Natural wisdom originates from inside of our wicked hearts. There are experts on every field of every, um, every field of study that we have. And we live in Massachusetts here in a very educationally heavy state. We love education in Massachusetts. They absolutely love um, the uh, higher learning. And that, that's not necessarily wrong. But what natural wisdom can do is it can promote bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Well, we want to be the state that has the highest scores. Why do you want to be the state that has the highest scores? Because we want to be the top. Why do you want to be the top? So that we can glorify God? No. Okay, so if I'm challenging my young people, my children, to do well in school, I need to think biblical motivation is you need to do well in school, not so it helps you get good grades or a good job down the road. That's how to breed in them and show them that life is just about making money. It's not wrong to do good in school to make money, but that can be selfish ambition and bitter jealousy because now I'm jealous of someone else who's got a better grade. Now how can I beat them? And constant, uh, and we're going to see in James 4, the constant fighting when you don't have God's wisdom. But natural wisdom originates from inside our wicked hearts. So here's what we say to ourselves if we're thinking. If we consistently struggle with our tongue, it is a heart problem. So I'm going to challenge you this week. Repent of bitterness and selfishness. You say, I don't know how to. Or I haven't done this in a long time. Ask someone for help. We're in the business here at church of discipling people, of helping people grow and change. And if you have a godly friend here that will help you and you say, uh, if you have a growing bitterness in your heart towards someone else, if you can see that selfish ambition is what drives you to get out of bed, it is what causes you to put up with traffic, it causes you to put up with a lot of people because it is life is about you. Your tongue is showing, is revealing that you're lacking godly wisdom. Because life's not about us, but the world says life is about you. And you can be all that you can be. And you have all that you need right here. All of those are ungodly statements. You don't have all you need to be right here. You don't have it all within. You're corrupt within. We're broken within. We struggle to control our tongues from within. The reason all of us struggle with our speech is because we have selfish bitterness in our hearts and it's showing up in our mouths and it causes our tongues to keep being loose and we have a trouble controlling it. So I challenge you this week, look in the mirror of God's word and ask God this, show me if there's any bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in my heart. That's a humble way to pray. But according to this, if you're, you're not going to get God's wisdom until you root out the ungodly wisdom. And ungodly wisdom is driven underneath, in the heart, by bitterness and selfishness. I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to get even. I'm going, and all these, I deserve better. You hear a lot of people say that. You don't deserve better. What do, we, what do all of us deserve? All of us deserve hell. And when we don't think that way, we will go down this path of natural, ungodly wisdom. And selfish ambition and bitter jealousy is, is going to show up in our 
in our education. It's going to definitely show up in our tongues, and it should not be so for Christians. Okay, so if you don't know how to root out bitterness and selfishness, you need God's grace, and if you need help, please let me know. There are people here that would love to help you and talk with you. This is not a once-and-done thing. Oh, I did that five years ago. I did that at camp if I was a young person. I did that in my discipleship class when I was 12 weeks after I was saved, 50 years ago. So you don't have any bitter jealousy or envying strife in your hearts anymore? Well, yeah, we all struggle with this until the day we die. And if you're consistently struggling and not getting victory, you need help. And it's okay to need help. We as a church exist to help people that need help. And we want to help you. All right, the tongue can show God's wisdom in verse 15 by identifying what's not God's wisdom. Okay, so he says what this, the, the problem is, a pro, it's a heart problem. A spiritual where not right with God, we're believing lies because we're speaking, we're boasting, and we're bragging about what we've accomplished with our earthly wisdom, and we're speaking things that are not true. Then verse 5. Th or 15, I'm sorry. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. This is not God's wisdom. God's wisdom, if it's flowing through you, doesn't produce bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. You don't sit here in a pew thinking, man, I wish I could sing like them. Man, I wish I could give like them. Man, I wish I could serve like them. Man, I wish I had the car that they have. I wish I dressed like her. If you come to church and that's what you leave with and your conversation on the way home is, you're struggling with verse 14. Because we don't meet together as God's people and we just look around and bitter jealousy and selfish ambition just keeps coming out of our hearts. We don't have God's wisdom. We're not thinking God's thoughts. We need repentance. But God's wisdom helps us discern what is, is not God's wisdom. So James 3.15 says, This is not the wisdom that comes from down from above. This is not godly wisdom, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. The word unspiritual there is the word natural man back in 1 Corinthians um, 2.14. So, continuing, what else is not God's wisdom? Natural wisdom is influenced by weak. That is the idea of the word earthly. It is what makes us weak is that we are restricted here by what is earthly. We're not heavenly. So God looks down from heaven and has heaven's perspective on all of our problems. And we are struggling here on earth, and we don't know why these bad things are happening. And as we go through various trials, James 1 says, we need God's wisdom. But if we don't have it, we're left with confusion, frustration here to go through earthly trials with the best we can do with experts that only have earthly, limited by what they know here on earth, wisdom. And that wisdom, if you have a lot of it, will boost your mind up to think, wow, I'm really smart. I've got a PhD in this or that or that, and I'm an expert. And it, can it doesn't do anything with your bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. It just promotes it. So this isn't God's wisdom. Our tongue will eventually show us that we're still boasting and we're still speaking things that are not true about God or not true about this world or not true about ourselves. So this wisdom is earthly wisdom. It's limited by weak humans. It's unspiritual, which is natural which is what we got from Adam because of the fall. We are under this curse. 
And we don't, if we reject God and reject his wisdom, the best we can do is as smart as people can get, as intellectual as we can get. We can study and study and study and study and study and understand humans, how we're different than rats, how we're the same as rats, and uh, everything like this. And we're left with natural wisdom. And unspiritual is the opposite of spiritual, spirit-controlled. So while earthly has the idea of weak and tied to this earth, unspiritual has the idea of natural or sinful selfishness. So here, here it is. We have a desire for wisdom, all of us do. So where are we looking for wisdom? We're looking to this earth, and we're looking inside of ourselves. That's the two words there, earthly and unspiritual. And then if you look inside yourself and looking to the experts who don't have God's wisdom, you're, go you're going to eventually, your wisdom is going to look demonic. Halloween is coming. And if you have an idea of what is demonic, look at how people celebrate Halloween. Why is Halloween, it's a promo what is promoted at Halloween? It was a way to contact the dead on Hallow's Eve. But what is promoted at Halloween? Death, witches, darkness. All of those things are opposite of God. Now, if you celebrate Halloween, that's between you and God. But personally, I, I don't appreciate that, that, that holiday. It, there's nothing warm, fuzzy in me that just loves to dress up like a witch and have a cauldron of boiling on my front lawn and, yes, come, children, get some candy. That, there's nothing in me that wants, that wants that, that thinks that in any way, shape, or form helps promote Christ. It's up to you if you let your kids go trick-or-treating. I have in the past, and I'm not sure. I said, I'll just go buy you candy, and I'll get you exactly what you want. And then we can give candy to kids that come to our neighborhood, and that's fine. But that's for me. That, that's a conscience thing. But I, we need to be aware of where does natural wisdom come from. It comes from mere humans. It comes from inside of our natural man which is what 1 Corinthians 2 says, and then it comes from Satan. And all of that is not God's wisdom. Oh, it may, it may sound smart. It may sound like, whoa, you're way over my head, and it doesn't take much to get over my head. I'm not that tall, and I'm not that smart. And you can talk about things, and I'm saying, what are you talking about? I don't understand computers that much. I don't understand mechanics of my car that much, and it's not too hard to get over my head. And I'll smile, yeah, that's great, yeah, I don't have a, thing. I have a clue what you're talking about. Um, and you've, you've all been in conversations like that with really smart people. But just because you're really smart or you've got degrees or you've got all these licenses after your name doesn't mean you've got God's wisdom. It means you have earthly wisdom, and that's okay to have some earthly wisdom. But if you're thinking, I'm, I've got, I'm, this is going to help me control my tongue, it's not. God's wisdom is required for you to be godly. And you don't have to have any degrees after your name. You can be an eight-year-old and be godly if you will study God's word, if you'll obey what you see, if you ask God for wisdom. You can be an eight-year-old and put a lot of adults who have worldly wisdom to shame. And I have been put to shame by eight-year-olds. 
who had godly wisdom. So verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. So where does this earthly wisdom, it doesn't come from our hearts, although uh, earthly wisdom does come from our hearts, I'm sorry. It comes from the world around us, and it comes from demons. Where does this lead? What are the results? If I keep living a life without God's wisdom, my tongue's still going to be loose, and it's going to show that I don't have God's wisdom. Where does this path of worldly wisdom lead? Okay, so let's suppose that you're in a school, like I said, junior high, and everyone in your school doesn't, have, doesn't know Christ, and they're just worldlings doing the best they can, and the teacher doesn't know Christ, and the best they can do is to have a worldly wisdom classroom, crowd control, make sure kids don't hurt each other, um, and make sure they try to learn something, okay? The standard's kind of low sometimes. What's, what do we expect out of a group of people where all of them have worldly wisdom, okay? You all have been, if you haven't been in a daycare or a church nursery, there is the example of what happens when you have just natural wisdom there. No spiritual wisdom or very little self-control. We have three, four ladies in the nursery constantly on Sunday morning. You know why? Because of verse 16. Look at verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... There will be disorder and every vile practice. And all of you that have ever been a parent are, are cracking up because it, that is it. We leave our kids and say, okay, don't hurt each other. And we come back in the room and you hear cats and dogs fighting and you don't have any pets. And you're like, what's going on? Something's wrong. And you run into the room and there is disorder and every vile practice. Why is your brother hanging from the ceiling? Why is he tied to the bed? Why is he in tears? Why is he bleeding? Why, why are you smiling? I, all of these questions you ask when you walk into a room and there was disorder in every vile practice. Well, how did you get to that point? You got to that point because there was no godly wisdom functioning in that room or very, very little. And a massive amount of worldly wisdom, which looks like Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. I want that toy. That's my toy. No, I got it for my birthday eight years ago. I don't remember you got that. I didn't remember that. And it's, it just escalates from there. Why do they fight and fight and fight and fight? Because there is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Okay, let's change the scenario from your house or chaos to a work environment where you're the only Christian there. And tomorrow, some of you are going to go face this, or maybe later today. And in your work environment, there's only worldly wisdom. So other people, under their breath, tell you, this is how you get ahead here. You have to lie a little bit. You have to be a little dishonest. Just work when the boss is in the room. Um, fudge a little bit, it's okay. Um, and you'll hear those kind of comments constantly by your coworkers. And some people that get promoted because they are selfishly ambitious or they've got jealousy and they have tried to figure out how to take someone else out in the corporate world, 
They figured out how to climb the corporate ladder, stepping on everybody um, on their way up. We've all seen it. We all know tragic stories about this. This is the world in which you live. What happens in a workplace when everyone has just worldly wisdom and no God's wisdom there? Here's what your workplace looks like. Verse 16. There will be disorder and every vile practice. Am I right? I've worked with people that just had worldly wisdom, and it was somewhat orderly, but it was disorderly from within, and there was every vile practice going on. So this isn't God's wisdom, James says. This shows up in our tongue and how we speak. So natural wisdom results in chaos and comprehensive. That means all types of wickedness. That's what verse 16 says. Every vile practice. How do we get this far away from God as a culture? Why are we saving baby whales and baby eagles that aren't yet hatched and killing babies by the millions? Because we just have natural wisdom. We're going to justify our inhumane treatment of unborn babies and would never think of treating an eagle's egg the same way. I watched a little video clip at, uh, from California, I think. The guy just goes around a college campus and just asks the question, hey, would you sign this petition to save uh, eagle's eggs? And uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll sign that. Okay, would you sign this second petition to save, save babies from being aborted? Oh, no, no, I can't sign that. Why not? So a baby eagle needs to be protected, but a baby human doesn't. That's what you're saying? Well, yes, we need to confront our culture with the truth. This is where we are allowing chaos and wickedness to run rampant, and we may have access to God's wisdom. We have God's spirit living inside of us who's telling us you need God's wisdom to confront your culture. And when you have God's wisdom, God, how do I talk to my neighbor who is so different from me? God will give you wisdom to do that. I had this thought with my, my neighbors. Okay, I'm going to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And if I want to pray for my neighbor to get saved, go over to my neighbor Wednesday sometime and say, hey, I'm going to church tonight and we're going to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you about? I don't know where that thought came from. It came from God because I said, God, how do I reach my neighbor and how do I... Now, what's she going to say to that? Don't pray for me. Maybe. If she does, that's up to her. But at least I am trying to build a relationship with someone that has some basis of that relationship to be a spiritual conversation. So that, And you talk to Craig and... Um, and Steve, and they've been at Topsfield Fair and trying to witness to people, uh, complete strangers, and they come up to them and talk to them about God's Word and try to witness them. They'll give you ideas. John and Claire Secchi, excellent soul winners in talking to people. If you need help in how to talk to people with God's wisdom, uh, there are ways, and no one's the same. But everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants a friend, uh, even people that don't know God. And uh, we can be a friend to them. And offer them eventually God's wisdom that will confront them in their sin, which is what they need. But it's not God's wisdom whenever we have selfish ambition, bitter jealousy. It starts from our heart, 
comes out our tongue in boasting and false, speaking false things. And then it, it comes from earthly uh, experts. It comes from selfishness inside the natural man. It comes from demons. And then it leads to jealousy um, and selfish ambition because it's already in our hearts coming out. And if everybody has it, there's chaos around us and everybody's out for themselves, and there's every vile practice. The only person you have to be true to is be true to yourself. And how many times have you heard that? Be true to yourself, be true to yourself. No, deny yourself. That's what Jesus would say. And take up your cross and follow me. That's godly wisdom in opposition to the be true to yourself, worldly wisdom. You don't have to be true to yourself. So what if they step all over you? They step all over Christ, and he was okay with that. We need to be okay with that. So a challenge for us this week. Thank God for clear description of worldly wisdom, where it comes from, how it grows, and the results of it. You have it here in James 3. This is why we struggle to control our tongues, because we have something wrong in our heart. It comes out of our mouths. It, and where do we get this worldly wisdom from? from? It's from all around us, from experts, from within, from demons. And it, it shows up in all kinds of chaos and every vile practice as we, as a group, exercise this worldly wisdom. So we thank God for this clear description of worldly wisdom. With your Bible open to James 3 this week, you can have a, a quiet time with you and God and go through these verses again. I'll challenge you to do that. But just four verses, 14 to 16, James 3. Go through them again and pray through them and thank God for this description of what is not godly wisdom. Thank him for making it clear to you with his word and with his spirit. And then when you see selfish ambition and bitter jealousy growing in your heart and you hear yourself saying things like, I deserve better than this, or I, I need, or I must have this, that's probably, you've got, you've got a heart problem and you need to repent of that quickly. When we speak earthly, unspiritual, or demonically inspired speech. We need to repent quickly and say, this is not your wisdom, God. I'm looking in the wrong places for wisdom, and I need to repent. Let's pray and ask God uh, for this. Our Father, we need to repent as a church people of bitterness and selfish ambition in our hearts. We want what other people have. We want the life or the marriage or the well-behaved children or the good income or the nice car or anything else that other people have around us. I pray that you would forgive us as a people for wanting what other people have that's coveting and breaking the 10th commandment. We also want other people's um, social status, their personality, or anything else that is not ours, we want what they have. And we'll do anything we can to get it or steal it from them, breaking others of your commandments. I pray that you would help us not to boast about what we have or, or long for what we don't have. Help us to be content with what we have. Help us to be quick to repent. Thank you for this clear description of worldly wisdom that we uh, have where it comes from and how to um, how to stop it. I thank you for this solution to our loose lips. I pray that this week that you'd use our tongues to praise you, to encourage others, 
to cry out to you when we fail. Use our tongues to repent. Use our tongues to challenge and rebuke other Christians who are giving in to selfish ambition and bitter jealousy in their hearts. And I pray that you would help us to parent, to grandparent, the students of your word. Help us to give people what you have given us. And I pray as we read uh, your word this week that you'd show us good, sound wisdom as we will use it to obey you. Help us as a church to help each other here. Use us as a church to minister to people around us that only have the natural man. They only have access to worldly wisdom and they see no need for you at all. I pray that you would work in their hearts as only you can. Show them the frailty, the demonicness of human wisdom and help them to be open to the gospel as we share it of your son's death on the cross for them his burial, and his resurrection to completely free them from their sin. I pray that we would enjoy now a time of uh, freedom from sin. Tighten our lips to say what you would want us to say and how you would want us to say it and when you'd want us to say it. And I pray that you would bless our fellowship time, that we would use this to magnify you and to advance your kingdom and not our own. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.